Welcome to the X Overland Podcast. At X Overland, we're committed to living a life of adventure and to sharing what we learn in the hopes of inspiring and empowering others to boldly explore the world. Join the conversation as we sit down to share stories of overland travel and vehicle-based adventure with a broad range of compelling guests from around the globe. If you haven't heard the news, Overlander Network just got even better. Overlander Network is the place to find all of X-Overland's legacy and most current premium content, along with our popular masterclass series teaching you how to build your Overland vehicle from stock. With Overlander Network, you can now watch on your favorite devices through the new Overlander Network app. You can download all your favorite content to take with you on the trail and enjoy ad-free, family-friendly entertainment. You can watch video versions of this podcast, enjoy monthly live streams, and of course, be the first to watch the Nordic series before anyone else. Right now, you can test drive Overlander Network for free for three full days. Take the wheel at overlandernetwork.com. Welcome, everybody, to the X Overland podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Lewis. With me today, I have Tyler Beck of Guzzle H2O, and we are here to talk about this, water and purifying it and filtering it and meeting your needs as an overlander or outdoor adventure, vehicle-based adventure of any kind. So welcome, Tyler. Happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, Jimmy, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, You're checking in from where? I'm uh, at home in uh, Hood River, Oregon. And I was looking over your... Uh, Hood River, Oregon, your bio a little bit, you know, with, with marine life, uh, you know, the marine culture, boats, and thinking about what an amazing tie-in that is with the overlanding and vehicle-based adventure community. Yeah, for sure. It's There's a lot of crossover. I mean, you know, just on a mechanical side, like all the, uh, you know, boats also run on these 12-volt systems and, um, you know, it's a little bit of the same idea, just exploring and new places and and uh getting out in nature in a you know in a vehicle that you gotta you know maintain and it's got you know different performance aspects to it so um yeah there's a lot of crossover between you know sailing and cruising and exploring by boat and uh you know the overland world i think yeah man i totally agree i i grew up in annapolis maryland and you know for sailors and boaters it was such a big deal to go out for like the first weekend trip, like to a little bay or a creek not too far away. Uh, creeks on the Chesapeake Bay are a little different than Montana. But, you know, that would lead to a little more, a little more, and then maybe someone would be heading out to the open ocean for a really big um, extended trip on a sailboat or powerboat. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so we're, I mean, we're... Uh you know, a couple hours south of Puget Sound. And so that's a huge area, uh, you know, saltwater um, where there's a lot of boating happening. And uh, yeah, here on the Columbia River, we've got windsurfing and kiteboarding and, and winging. So it's uh, uh, a lot of fun um, stuff to do on the water around here. Oh, man. Well, speaking of that, um, I, I would love to begin down the path of the origin story for Guzzle H2O coming from sailing and water-based recreation. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my co-founder is uh, Sean Kubro in Guzzle H2O, and he's he's actually a professional sailor. And um, 
and you know it started he he was at an event uh you know somewhere in you know newport or the mediterranean or something like that and he was um you know they show up with their sailing team with you know 20 to 30 people and uh they need they need drinking water for everybody and so he was seeing you know a ton of uh single-use plastic bottled water and he put a you know a rant on facebook uh about you know shouldn't there be a rule against this like come on everybody we're um we're supposed to you know be stewards of the ocean we're playing on the ocean and you know we're generating all this plastic trash that you know we know eventually ends up in the ocean if we're not careful and uh you know we've got microplastic everywhere in the environment and so you know you know we should be more responsible than this and um you know can we can we do something and you know should there be a role he he gets a little more fired up about it he's um he's he's partly french and so so he gets much more impassioned about this stuff than i do but um uh or explains it in a much more impassioned way so um but yeah he put a rant up on facebook and i was like you know he he's right you know what what could we do and we had teamed up on some um you know product development stuff in the past and you know i've known sean for a long time his, his nickname is doogie so if i you know mentioned doogie that's what i'm talking about for some reason for some reason professional sailors all have to have a nickname yeah uh, i can see that coming over to the overlanding world yeah exactly so anyway so we started looking around at what technology is available and you know part of the idea with the sailing team you know to use that in as, as an example as sort of a starting point uh they you know show up in the morning to go hop on the boat and there's not a lot of extra time to um you know spend treating water or i mean so they would you know they'd have regularly have events like around the mediterranean and and there's water available at the dock but they're pretty sure that if they drink the water it's you know everybody's going to get sick and you know they don't want to have everybody here at this event getting sick and so you know so what can we do to treat the water to filter it to purify it um you know and make sure you know it's it's it tastes good and um and you know you know what what, what could be an easy thing to do that's not going to slow everybody down and be a whole project in the morning but also isn't gonna you know involve chemicals or certainly not involve uh you know plastic bottled water um so we started looking around at um you know what could we do uh to deal with this and we discovered this led uv technology um which was handy because it does a great job of uh inactivating all the bacteria in the water anything that's going to make you sick and it's um low power consumption and it's durable it's like all these led light bulbs that everybody's got on on their vehicles um so it, it's really low maintenance so it kind of you know led it itself well to you know solving this problem of what can we do to you know ensure that the water is going to be safe that that these teams are gonna gonna use so from there we you know we kind of weren't you know exactly sure what it was supposed to look like and we you know, had a few different systems where they'd have tanks of water on, you know, one of the support boats. And, um, we, you know, crafted some things 
you know, funny looking little objects that, uh, you know, early prototypes that, um, you know, paired the UV with a filter and, you know, that you'd hook up to the hose and, you know, we developed some safety systems around it to make sure that, you know, you weren't going to be able to pass water through it and not have the UV working. Um, so we, we had, at one point we had it in a backpack. We thought maybe the backpack was the right sort of form factor for this thing. Um, and turned out that was a little too strange, but anyway, um, yeah, so, so, you know, we, we, we basically figured out the tech around how can we make a thing that's portable, you know, takes no time to use and, uh, you know, fills up water bottles quickly. And, but we, um, you know, sort of realized that, you know, there weren't that many professional sailing teams and we we're going to need to crop this thing for, um, yeah, you know, for a wider audience. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that steps right into our world because so many of the things I hear you saying, Tyler, are completely relatable to overlanding and vehicle-based adventuring. Um, yeah. For example, like as far as problem solving, um, I have a four-wheel camper, which I love. It has a 20-gallon water tank. Um, and I bleach it. You know, I sterilize it according to proper procedures, uh, usually every, I'd say once a month and certainly at the beginning of the season and the season, that sort of thing. But honestly, I don't trust the water in that tank for drinking. And it's rarely, that water's also rarely tasty enough for me to make coffee with and to cook with and to just drink even, right? And just have really delicious drinking water. So I am guilty of buying spring bottled spring water, one or two gallon jugs, two and a half gallon jugs, and packing that with me. It's a pain in the neck. I generate a lot of trash from that. And what I, you know, what with what I hear you saying, I, I'm I'm trying to solve a similar problem because even if I'm in a remote rural Montana town traveling around the West, um, if I happen to take my trip to Baja one day. Even if there's a town like the docks where it's like, here's a hose, you can fill your tank. Um, I'm not really trusting that water. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also, you know, maybe wouldn't necessarily stay on vacation necessarily, but you're not there to, you know, have a big production around your water either. You want to do something that's, you know, kind of seamless and, you know, get on with the day's adventure or go, you know, yeah. get the next campground or, or you know, um, get to the hike or whatever, whatever you got planned for the day. So you don't want to, you know, deal with chemicals or, you know, wait around for the water to get treated. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you guys, uh, you know, so you realize you built this specifically, you know, to solve a problem in the world of what you were doing, professional sailing. Uh, but then you realize, you know, to make this viable, we need to, we need to see if we can market it. If there's some other use cases out there where this would be a good fit. So yeah. you guys went to Expo West. Um, I I saw in your notes, like you made your first trip there. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, we sort of took what we had made and crafted it for something that we could use just in our own lives. Uh, you know, going down to the park, going and, um, anyway, yeah. At some point, we heard about Overland Expo, and, uh, you know we sort of knew that we had a product that was a little bit different than, you know, all the backpacking water filters that are out there. Um, but we, you know, we didn't really know how the world was going to respond to it. And so, yeah, we heard about Overland Expo and I, uh, headed down there 
and I rented, I, I don't know if it was, I was just late to sign up or if that was all that was left, but like I got a table inside the big tent that they have. That's like usually for authors and like, I don't know, tour guides or something. Oh, like I've seen, I, I went into that tent. I know. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, and so I'm next to, I don't know. So I set up my, you know, I got a banner and I put some products on the table and, uh, this couple comes in next to me and they're selling these like basically like rotisserie, um, marshmallow sticks. And they proceed over the weekend to sell like cases and cases of these things. And I'm sitting there with my water purifiers and I'm meeting people and talking to people, but certainly nobody buys anything. So, uh, that was a little bit of a reality check. Um, but we did meet, so this guy, so Bob Wallers walks yeah. road safety Academy and he, he's, he's sort of heading somewhere else, but he, he walks past and he does a double take and he comes back and he looks at the, our stream system and he knows yeah. exactly what it is. Uh, and he was, he was kind of like, I've been waiting for you guys. So I've been waiting for somebody to do this. And he knew exactly what we had put together with the carbon filter and the UV capability. And he was super excited about it. And he's like, and he was, in fact, he, you know, often he is at Overland Expo teaching classes on water purification. So, um, got to talking to him more and we, you know, connected with him after the show and, uh, he ended up buying a system and he took it to Alaska, uh, drove to Prudhoe Bay, I believe with it. And, you know, used that to support his trip in his, um, four wheel camper. And, um, so he's been a great resource ever since, you know, Mel, oh man. Yeah. Other people like him at, at Overland Expo, but, um, yeah, that's yeah what a per- and and you know got the stream in front of people and you know um you know got a lot of feedback and uh it was a great learning experience so yeah um, yeah that bob wallers that that's the guy to get it in front of i the reason i have a four-wheel camper on a power wagon um is because of him i met him at a small overland expo it was just a one and done deal unfortunately they couldn't keep it going but but he was nice enough to come up to it it was in livingston montana and I saw his whole outfit and everything from the toilet system he had to the camper and the suspension. And like, he just had it so dialed and he was teaching classes. I took some of his classes. Um, and that guy, you know, he, he really knows his stuff. Um, so yeah, I could see how his eyes opened wide when he saw your product. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was a lucky encounter and, um, for she's been a great resource ever since. So, and and you mentioned, uh, and you were talking about that the one he, he ended up taking a look at or that you had at Expo is the stream. And just so listeners know, like that's an actual model of what you sell. It's the stream, right? Yeah, that's our our portable system. Yeah. Okay, that's like like more of an Overlander specific system. Yeah. So we, it's um, the superpower of the stream is that you can fill up. Like at the press of a button, it pumps and filters and purifies your water and fills up uh, like five gallon jerry cans in like seven minutes. So it's um, it's it's geared towards uh, yeah resupplying your water in large containers uh, out of any fresh water source. Awesome, yeah. That's I we're gonna get into the products even more you know later on. Just what you offer 
Um, but I want to get into the need to, you know, in, in more depth as far as like why this system and I, um, you know, and why this podcast, uh, we we're doing, we put together a, a, wa- a water management series. This is actually the first recorded episode in this series we're working on, Tyler. Um, and my thinking was like second to fuel, whether you're fueling your vehicle with electricity, a hybrid or gasoline or diesel, no second to that. Uh, maybe even more important in terms of your survival is fueling yourself with water. Um, you need to have potable water, preferably potable, delicious tasting water for what we do with vehicle-based adventure. And you know, I've I've done quite a bit of backpacking. I've done um, quite a bit of adventure motorcycling, and so systems, trail running, that sort of thing. And what I've been familiar with for years have been, as you put it, the backpacker-style systems. And usually there's enough there to, you know, fill some jugs for adventure motorcycling or take care of my needs if I'm backcountry hunting, things like that, living out of a backpack. But to me, the use case of having a large vehicle, recreational vehicle of some kind, you know, be that a van or a truck camper or a built out overlanding rig with large water storage systems or jerry cans, that is a whole different use case that requires refilling, purifying large quantities of water. So that was the purpose of this particular podcast episode is to look at like, how do we do that and help people see beyond, I filled my tank for the weekend. When I run out of water, it's time to come home and realize like there are other options out there. So that's, uh, you know, everything we're talking about with Guzzle um, that's why I was excited to get you on the show and talk about what your products can do for people. For sure, yeah. I mean, we call it we call it water anxiety. Like, are you going to head out on your trip and like you don't want to be wondering where you know wondering where the next you know refill on water is going to come from, or wondering if the water is going to taste bad. Uh, or wondering if, you know, something's contaminated your water and you're, and you're going to get sick from it. So yeah, water anxiety is, is that, well, we talked about that. Dude, that's a hashtag right there. Yeah. <laughs> water anxiety. And it, it reminds me a little of fuel anxiety. You know, you're watching that fuel gauge get lower and lower, wondering if you're sure. going to be able to find good fuel or bad fuel and all those kind of things, recharge. Yeah. Um, so, th- so those things are just so similar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I mean, the, the other thing is, you know, a lot of times we're traveling overland to go, you know, experience something else. Like, you know, maybe you're trying to go fly fishing or, you know, go for a hike or get your mountain bikes out somewhere. And, and so you need enough water to support these, you know, physical activities and, you know, whatever cooking you want to do. Um, and, uh, certainly, you know, that's why we're all out there. We're not, not just out there to, you know, drive vehicles around. I mean, that's, that's how you do it. But, but the purpose is often to, you know, get out in nature and experience nature doing something physical. And so that means you're going to need, need to stay hydrated. So, yeah, totally, man. Like, the, you know, researching this podcast and, and just planning and preparing, like I just ran through my mind, all the scenarios, like why this episode why you know the need to purify massive amounts of water and for vehicle-based adventures you know to me that looks like a 
a mountain biking camp, say, or a dirt biking camp somewhere remote enough that you're going to have to resupply yourself with water. You're rock climbing for days. You're wading around, hiking around, fly fishing for days. And you don't want to have to leave just because you're running out of water and there's a stream nearby, there's a lake nearby, and we'll get into source finding here. But you want to, you want that ability to, to just know you can resupply and you can drink all the water you want to drink and make your coffee and do your cooking. Um, so, and that's just like weekend or say week long, you know, kind of vacation type of stuff in the United States. But let's say you're, you're truly overlanding, crossing international borders and going through third world countries. You know, now we got a whole different scenario where you're not even sure you can find that water if in a town, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's, so to me, that's another use case that, that comes to the top of the list. For, yeah, for sure. I mean, as, as we get, you know, you know, transfer from, you know, exploring off road to traveling in foreign countries, for sure. You need to have like redundant ways to, um, you know, to, to tree water and, um, you know, sort of multifaceted approaches to making sure you get chemicals out of the water and making sure that, um, you know, you don't have bacteria or viruses in the water or certainly protozoa. I mean, the other thing, you know, back to the vehicle part of this, um, the other reason to be good at, you know, being able to source water in the fields because you can make your whole vehicle a lot lighter. Um, because you don't need to trans like water's quite heavy. It's, it's over eight pounds a gallon, of course. And, uh, if you don't have to carry all that water with you, your whole vehicle setup becomes much lighter. So, um, you know, that's like, uh, for instance, like, uh, like a five gallon jerry can is 40 pounds. So, you know, often people have those on the roof for, you know, on the, on the back of the bumper, um, where, you know, weight is even more of a distance. So being able to sort water means you don't have to carry it, and that makes your whole rig lighter. Makes you know, makes it perform better. Makes uh, you know, lets you get better gas mileage too. So, yeah, for sure, the amount of weight, um, and especially if you're going to be doing really technical stuff uh, to get to wherever you're going, just you know, to be able to shed even a hundred pounds of weight is is no small thing. Um, so you were talking a little bit, you started to go down the path of the science around filtration. So yeah. I'd love to just segue into that part of the podcast. Like we were talking about less developed countries and traveling through those places. And you mentioned something that's really important to me when I think of water purification, um, and that's redundancies and, you know, finding, finding those multiple approaches. So, um, you know, what is the science going on in your filtration system in a guzzle and um how do you build redundancies into a single system to where you yeah. can you know rely on that so i guess to back up sort of more broadly like, there's kind of three things that that um you're going to do when you're treating water to make it um drinkable the first is is filtration which is just like a screen door like it's a physical like like filtering of the water so you know like it's a screen that you know there's a limit to the particle size that can pass through that screen and that you know happens with different materials like ceramic and olive fiber um sometimes it's just pleated uh filter material um but that's like a physical process where like the actual particles are stopped from you know continuing on through the water flow 
Um, and so that's going to get like sediment and, you know, larger particles out of your water. Uh-huh. Uh, the second process that's important is called adsorption, which is kind of a funny word. It's like absorption, but with a D. Um, Ad- adsorption. Adsorption, which is where you have a chemical like and okay. like carbon that actually grabs on to chemical chemicals that are in the water and like um and holds them you know within itself so it doesn't let them continue on in the water so that's why carbon is a great medium for treating water is because it's got all these open bonds and a lot of surface area so that um chemicals that you don't want in your water like vocs and lead and mercury can grab on to the carbon and then they get sequestered in you know the carbon material so so all of our systems use um, it's a it's a half micron solid activated carbon block, and so um, there's there's various grades of carbon. Um, a lot of times, carbon is uh, a granulated powder, um, and and basically, I mean, with all the versions of carbon, like the game is to you know compress it into um, you know a format that gives you the maximum surface area. And, and it's strange to think of it as surface area because it's all like in a compact thing, but it, there's, you know, if you unfold it at all, it has a certain amount of surface area that, that has contact with the water. Um, and again, contact time, you know, it's something we'll talk about more with purification methods, but, um, but contact time is important for the carbon to be able to, you know, grab on to, you know, chemical molecules that are in the, the water. And when you, you know, when you remove or reduce those chemicals, uh, it's healthier. And because often there are things you don't want in your body and it improves the taste and clarifies the water and, um, uh, improves the taste and smell of the water. So, okay. So like, I, I see two things right now. Um, the first is like, there's a, is there a distinction between filtration and purification? Yes. So, so we'll get into purification next, but yeah. Um, filtration is, like I said, you can think of it as the screen door process. Like the bugs, maybe bugs, the leaves, bugs, the whips, dirt, get through the screen door. Yeah. Yeah. It's just physically removing the stuff. So like I'm thinking of layers of filtration, Tyler, like, like, so let's say like when I'm on my motorcycle and there's a Creek nearby and the only thing, but there's, you know, it rained. And so there's some dirt in the Creek, right? This is, there's some turbidity. Um, I have a, a rubber bucket, like a collapsible bucket that I'll scoop a gallon or two of water out of, and then I'll just sit it by camp and I'll let that sediment settle to the bottom. And so that would be like, a first step of fil- filtering out the sediment. And then you're going to another level of filtering when you start to move that water through a system like yours. Well, so. Or uh, so that's why I'm asking. <laughs> so it would be filtering. So you got, so settling is uh, what you've done with your bucket is you let the sediment settle, which is okay. a good trick um, to reduce the amount of sediment because for sh- sediment is definitely the part that gums up all these water purification systems because it's just matter that gets in the works and it clogs, clogs the filters. Yeah. So the more you can reduce sediment, the better. 
Um, but that is technically, that would be filtering if you had like a filter cloth, even like a cheesecloth that you poured the water through and like was a physical barrier to some of that, you know, mud and muck that's in that water. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of like a coffee filter. A coffee filter is a great example. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so filtering is physical adsorption is like a chemical process. Um, and carbon is, you know, the most common best example of where that happens. There's, um, other materials that that happens with, but carbon is by far the most common and most useful in that situation. And again, that's like bonding to the chemicals that are in the water to keep them from continuing on in the water stream. So, so purification, we haven't talked about purification is the part where you're killing the things in the water that make you sick. So that's bacteria, protozoa, and viruses. So, um, protozoa are microorganisms that, uh, are, are bigger than bacteria. Like, um, uh, cryptosporidium is a common example. Uh, uh, giardia is a protozoa. Uh, bacteria is, um, you know, smaller single cell, uh, um, microorganisms that, um, you know, multiply. So purification is the process of somehow inactivating those, uh, microbiological hazards in the most common way. Uh, we know, you know, or the most traditional way of doing that is to boil the water. And so you boil the water and as it goes over 212 degrees for a certain amount of time, again, there's a time component. Um, you kill all the uh, bacteria, protozoa, and viruses because they just can't survive that amount of heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so that's the most common way. Uh, chemicals like chlorine is, of course, added to municipal water supplies. And that is, again, a thing that um, kills, you know, bacteria that's in the water. Um, so, so that's purification. You, so UV is... Uh, another another common way that and that's how we do it in all of our systems okay yeah explain that the led uv so now i've i've seen like you, you know you're trying to uh settle out and filter like all the heavy stuff and then you, when you're running the water through your system the carbon is doing the adsorption which is where like your better taste is going to come from exactly. and now as far as getting rid of bacteria protozoa and viruses the stuff that can really hurt you and get you sick, uh, is what I'm trying to say there. That now that's going to be taken care of by an LED UV light of some kind. Yeah. So UV is um, a particular part of the light spectrum. It's not visible, and it's uh, there's you know it's what gives you a sunburn. Um, so it uh, is light. It's a particular wavelength of light. And you shine it through the water column, and it disrupts the DNA of um, of the microbiological hazard. So it it breaks the DNA chains of the little microorganisms, so they can no longer replicate and you know take over your water supply. Um, is how it works. And so it's it's important that um, you know you get all the particles out of the water or not all of them, but get them removed down to a certain level that the, uh, wi- that the, um, wavelengths can, can work around. 
Um, and, um, it, it's a great, it's a tried and true way to purify water. It's good because it, um, doesn't add chemicals and it doesn't, well, you need some filtration to get the particles out of the water. It's not, we like it because you don't have to press the water through a, um, through a very fine filter, which is, you know, another like way. pumping and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so to remove bacteria and viruses, you need to screen, uh, well, to remove bacteria, you need to get water through a 0.2 micron filter, which, which, you know, as we talked about filters clog and, um, requires a certain amount of, uh, pressure to the water to push the water through a filter. Oh man, this is reminding me of my, like my backpacking hand pumps and just like, uh, cause you know, I'm 51 years old. So like, I remember some old tech, right. And, yeah. uh, before I could just bring a UV, uh, LED stick with me and put it in my Nalgene bottle, it was pump, pump, pump by the stream. And it was, there was a ton of resistance in that, like to For get sure. it through that, that, the, that fine filter I'm thinking. But I'm also wondering, like, um, I've heard that, you know, with UV sterilization, it, there's a time limit afterward or, you know, what's going on there? Yeah. So, um, so there's this, you need a certain amount of contact time or not contact time, but you need time for the photons to circulate through the water and like hit all the, um, microbiological critters that are in the water column. So. So if you don't give it enough time and the water passes through too quickly, um, you just don't get, you don't, you don't inactivate enough of the micro, microbio, micro, microbes, excuse me. Okay. So, so like if I'm using a SteriPen, um, it might be smart to take a couple shots at it. Yes. So SteriPen is a good example of where UV disinfection is happening in kind of an uncontrolled environment because it's you know you're just uh you're just putting you know the steripen into your one liter bottle and it's got a relatively high or long um dwell time for that uv to get through the water column and for the water to circulate around and and connect the uv with uh enough of the um bacteria and protozoa to get that level down to where it's safe to consume. So, yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's variables like, you know, cause there's like me, I'm the, if I'm not, if I don't get a clear enough water source, if there's some turbidity in that water, apparently it's not going to sterilize as well, you know, cause I'm just dipping it in a stream and they'd have small like pre-filters and stuff, but still that could be an issue. Uh, if you don't, if you, if you cross contaminate, you don't wipe the rim, you know, so you're saying like, but in your system, you know, the, the hose is in one place and it's coming out in another. so it's contained. You don't have more variables of human error to occur. For sure. And yeah. So since we have crafted our devices, you know, pairing them with a filter, uh, we're controlling the flow rate to be, you know, under a Thank limit you. with, you know, the device that we install in our systems to provide the UV component. Yeah. So the photons can really do their thing. Yes. It's like scientifically work that out. Yeah. So the, I guess relative to like a SteriPen, it's all happening inside a little chamber where the UV 
rays can be focused and um and the flow rate is control and so that you have a you know much more scientific process uh and it's all happening downstream of a pre-filter and a carbon filter that has done the work of removing uh sediment okay and once it goes through your system is there a a timeline um, for potability or are you good, you know, for the most part? Yeah. So if you're going to store a large quantity of water for, you know, more than a few days, you probably want to dose it with something just to make sure. I mean, so, so the UV does not kill a hundred percent of the microbiological um, critters that, you know, there's a few left over that can multiply and grow. Uh, and that's, that's true of, you know, pretty much all purification methods except for boiling. Um, because, because there's always, um, uh, there's a limit to, you know, the effectiveness of all these things. I mean, there's always, you know, something that can go slightly wrong somewhere, but, um, so, so yeah, if you're going to store a large quantity of water, I mean, shock treating your tank is, uh, you know, a good way to make sure that the containers are clean. Um, and then, uh, you know, adding a little bit of bleach to like a large water supply, you know, wouldn't be a terrible idea if you're not going to use your water within a few days. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, that's, that's really like the broader theme of the podcast, right? Looking at like, how do we take care of our water? Um, you know, I think of how I'll come back from a trip and just to be ahead on things, I'll reset by filling my tank in the four wheel camper right away with, with well water, right? Like boom, done. But if it sits around for two weeks, you're saying it'd probably be a good idea to throw some little bit of bleach in there or something, you know, or just, yeah, or drain your tank and refill it with fresh water yeah. right before you go. I mean, yeah. for most people, they, you know, I think for most people, they get a reasonable amount of chlorine in there in their water system just by filling up from, you know, municipal water supply. Oh, sure, sure. Um, so, you know, I think you only need to be careful if you are constantly filling up from fresh water sources and purifying it and removing all the chemicals. So. Yeah, so if you're. Because one of the, one of the chemicals you're going to remove is the chlorine. So. What about spring in uh, well water? Like, uh, you know, if you're filling up from your hose and it's coming from well water or your, you know, spring water, uh, is there, does that last longer than, is it, or, or do you need to worry about some of the same th- kinds of things? No, not necessarily. I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, not necessarily. I mean, you're probably starting out with a much lower, uh, bacteria and protozoa component in spring water, you know, in, you know, in times past people, you know, would think that a spring would be a safe place to just drink water without treating it at all. Uh, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, um, for sure there's people out there that, that will do that. Um, so, so yeah, though, I mean, it's definitely, you know, as you're out in the backcountry or traveling, looking around and trying to figure out what the quality sources of water are is a good idea. And, you know, constantly assessing, you know, risk, around your source of water um so you know often you know there'll be a, a lake or a, a major river and 
you know, certainly the water there is something you could treat and use, but you're starting with probably the lowest quality water, you, you know, you could find. Whereas if you look for the tributary that's maybe filling, you know, entering filling the lake yeah, um, or filling the lake, that water quality is generally going to be better um, because it's moving or maybe recently came out of a spring or just hasn't, you know, collected all the contaminants. So I, I, I hear some things I just want to underscore um, for clarity. And one is like, I, I, I hear the need it, when you're thinking about your water supply um, for, you know, vehicle-based adventure overlanding, all the things we're talking about, like keep thinking about it. Don't, don't get, have a set it, forget it kind of mindset, uh, which is understandable. People want that. They're busy. It's like, you know, like me refilling right after a trip. Now I'm done. Now I can just drive out, you know, the next time. And, um, I, what I hear you saying, you know, through the science of this is be mindful of your water supply all the time. Like what's going on with it? How fresh is it? Could you refill it? Should you shock your tank? Um, if you just purified with the system like yours, are you guys really active in camp? You're doing a lot of things. You're going to go through that water within the next two, three days. You're good. If it's going to sit in there for 10 days or two weeks, maybe you need to rethink things. Um, so just like dialing in this right between your ears to be mindful of, of your water supply and how you're managing it. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, I guess also being conscious of, you know, specifically what the hazards are um, whether it is, you know, you might fill up in, you know, just to pick on downtown Los Angeles, say you might fill up with city water that is not going to make you sick, but it probably doesn't taste very good. So you're going to be, you know, leaning on these, you know, carbon filters more to, um, you know, to, to make the water taste good when you use it. And then, uh, as you, you know, drive up into the Sierra mountains from Los Angeles, you're getting into an environment where you're finding backcountry streams that, uh, have bacteria, but, you know, probably, a, you know, less chemical contamination. So sort of understanding, um, if you're looking at chemical or, uh, microbiological, um, issues with the water, I think is, is good thing to be conscious of. You bet. So let's see. That's perfect segue into the different systems that Guzzle offers and why you might want one or the other or a combination or what have you. And I'm thinking of, you know, the stream, um, something like the Stealth, which is an interior system, which got my attention as a four-wheel camper owner. I'm like, huh, well, you know, is that something I'd want to put in the the camper or should, the, would the Stealth be, or the uh, stream be more effective? And then there was the, the Eddy, which was like an inline system. So could you explain like the differences and use cases and why one over the other of your products? Sure. So, I mean, we kind of break it up into two categories. One, one really gets back to our original mission. Like how do we, you know, enable, you know, travel and activity around vehicles and unlock the ability to use the water that's available for drinking water. And so all of our, our built-in systems called the stealth lineup, um, and so what that allows you to do, they all pair, or for most of them pair a carbon filter with uh, the LED UV device, hmm. which is ideal for vehicles because um, the, the LED UV is great because it's durable, uh, like we talked about. It's similar to all the other LED bulbs you've got around your vehicle. It's, it's natively 12 volt, 
And so you can connect it to your um, onboard power supply and it's low power consumption. It draws uh, like 0.9 amps when it's actually on. And then it's got like a flow sensor uh, that instantly switches itself on and off when it senses the water moving. So, so all the stealth systems are designed to be plumbed into your vehicle, like your habitat, like usually on the cold water line of your galley. And so what that does is it treats the water coming out of your onboard tank, going to your faucet. So you can fill up water bottles in your sink and, uh, the carbon filter fixes, uh, the bad taste. It removes chlorine that might be in your tank. Um, and the UV, uh, is in, you know, in, in these products is a great insurance policy that there's no mildew or, uh, bacteria growing around, you know, somewhere in your water system that is going to end up in your drinking water, um, you because it, it zaps, uh, it inactivates all those, um, the bacteria as it comes through the system. So, so, so that sounds like a really good system for something like a truck camper. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, super popular with, uh, camper vans, uh, expedition vehicles, um, anything where you've got, you know, like a galley, uh, with a water tank and a water pump and a, and a faucet. Um, and even, you know, like in my, in my van, we've, we don't even have a sink. We've just got, you know, the water system rigged up to fill up water bottles, uh, mm-hmm. health system. So. So it's, you know, the, the built-in systems are all about unlocking the water that you've got on board to, uh, use it for drinking water and not have to manage or maintain a second source of water. Um, you know, that's for drinking. Yeah. I love that. Like that, like uh, you probably remember earlier in the episode, I was talking about my problem being similar to the sailboats you described, which yeah. is, you know, just for the drinking water and coffee water and, and anything where I really want the finer water, I'm packing that along bought from a grocery store. Um, and it's a pain in the butt. It's a lot of extra bulk and on board. It's a lot of extra refuse and just all kinds of, of problems from that, that, that I would love to solve. For sure. Yeah. And there's, I mean, that's probably, I mean, that's, there's a lot of people that could benefit from, you know, a cell system. And we, We've also got just like your carbon only version. So if you're only filling up on, on city water, you probably don't have issues with, um, mildew growing in your tank. And so you can just run it through the carbon filter and that's, you know, built in and, um, uh, you know, always, always happening when you use your water supply. And so the thing that's cool is, um, the flow rate on on the stealth systems is high enough where you can just put them on the cold water line. And you don't necessarily need to give them their own dedicated faucet. Um, she'll see with, with some systems, some people like to have a dedicated faucet, um, just to know that, you know, the drinking water is isolated from everything else mm-hmm. and, you know, completely. And, uh, it can be handy for winterizing if you're, um, you know, for using your, your rig, you know, during the winter. So, so, um, yeah, that reminds me of like we have an RO in the house and it's on a separate system. You know, it's on a separate uh, uh, well, faucet. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so the stealth is what you just described this interior unit um, that yeah. can either, you know, filter for taste and or purify. Um, or there's one that's just filtering for taste if you're never worrying about purification needs. 
the stream is the more, um, you might say like common overlander unit. If you're filling jerry cans or overlander, like uh, rooftop tent type of canopy system, water storage tanks. Yep, for sure. So the stream is all about being able to source water in the backcountry. Um, so it, uh, it pair, so it's got a pre-filter, it's got a carbon filter and then an led UV purifier. It's got a, a water pump and then it's got its own lithium battery all packaged inside a case. And so the stream unlocks the ability to, you know, pump water out of lakes and rivers and like to say, fill up, you know, large volume containers, uh, you know, to, to resupply your water. So, um, it pumps at three quarters of a gallon a minute. Um, it does 35 gallons on a battery charge and you can, you know, charge it, um, comes with either a 12 volt charger or a 110 240 charger. Um, so you can have it plugged in, in your vehicle and, you know, ready to use whatever you find a good water source or whatever you need to, you know, get more water. Um, it is, it's cool because it like we put the battery, you know, on board the case. And so it's, it's completely standalone. You don't need to connect it to, uh, you know, the battery of your vehicle, which, um, can be challenging because, you know, you're working around water and, uh, often you will want to use the stream to pump water over to your vehicle, you know, where the tanks are. So you don't have to haul the water and often, you know, the tanks are built into your, to your camper. And so you, you know, you can only get your vehicle so close to the edge of the water without, um, you know, something bad happening. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and I'm seeing like, you know, this for, for a truck camper system, like my four wheel camper, actually, you know, I'm getting more attracted to this model because of how I could park that camper, you know, park my rig by, by the water source stream or lake, set up the, this purification device, a stream and pump the water from that source into the camper for refill. Yes. Yeah. So, so the thing that, the other thing that's cool is it, like we talked about, it's got the carbon filter. So it's addressing um, chemical contamination and then as well as the UV. So it's, you know, you're getting both uh, protection from chemicals and sediment and microplastics and uh, PFAS um, along with the protection from, you know, protozoa and bacteria that might be in the water. You can... So you can also connect the stream to like water that's on top of a campground. And so it will treat water that way as well. So it's, you know, it's designed to be, you know, multifunctional, um, and sort of address, you know, whether, whether you, you know, you've got city water that doesn't taste good or backcountry water that's got protozoa in it. Um, you know, we tried to craft something that could tackle, you know, pretty much any, any situation. Yeah, that's that sounds like a super awesome, useful product. Uh, I know we have one edX Overland, you know, that we pack around on all of our trips, and we're uh, heading to Africa here next week. Um, so that's coming along for sure. That'll be a an awesome test of the system over there. Yeah, um, but that portability and recharging capability uh, that just sounds like a perfect fit for a lot of the vehicle based adventure crowd. And I'm wondering, like, moving, you know, from the devices themselves, uh, th- the last thing I'd really like to get into into with you, Tyler, is, um, you know, now let's say we have a system like yours, and now we're looking for sources to purify. We talked a little bit about that 
I'd like to go into that just a little more, anything we didn't think about. Um, and then like, what would be the pitfalls people might fall into who are new to this, who might, you know, cross contamination or clogging the system or not winterizing, like you were talking something about winterization. Like what are the things that they could, they could uh, run into some pitfalls doing as they learn to purify and how can we fix that? I mean, definitely one of our goals with our products is to make them as easy as possible to use, which is why, you know, we've got, we've color coded the hoses and there's, you know, there's only, there's a minimal number of filters and to operate the thing, you just press the button. And so I guess I would say that the biggest pitfall is just not, you know, not sort of orienting yourself to your gear before you go on the trip. Like, make sure you know how to use everything and you've tried it out and, you know, you understand um, how to set it up, uh, you know, for our system, make sure the battery's charged. Um, I mean, that, that, you know, would be one thing. Um, More specifically, yeah, winterizing is important with a lot of these systems because they're not, um, they're not designed to freeze. And so, you know, you got to be either already warm overnight or uh know how to get the water out of it to um to allow it to survive freezing conditions so um yeah and then and i guess maybe the third thing you know and this is common to you know all filtration systems is just managing the sentiment and knowing you know um you know keeping in mind that you you did you know the harder you make your filters work the shorter lifespan they're going to have. And so whatever you can do to find clear sources of water or um, find, uh, you know, water with less sediment or higher, like starting with higher quality water is going to pay off by, um, you know, keeping your filters in good condition. And speaking of, of condition of the filter, do your units have replaceable parts or like maintenance, regular maintenance schedule or something like that? Yep. So, the well one of the nice things about the led uv is it's totally maintenance free like the it's like all these led bulbs where it's it's got a lifespan of ten thousand operating hours um so so that's basically maintenance free the carbon filters go for a thousand gallons or six lots um so it's important to change them uh after six months because they accumulate you know uh, jump that they're picking up and pulling out of the water and it, you know, as it ages, it, you know, it, it doesn't get any less growth. So it's true of all carbon filters that you want to replace them after, uh, six months or so. Yeah. That sounds like, like in Montana, that would be more of a seasonal thing since we got about six months of summer and six months of winter here. Exactly. It's like sometimes this year was more like seven months of winter, but yeah. And then the pre-filter, um, you know, is something that collects sediment and you can wash it off in the water as you use it. So there's no real, you know, ongoing, um, you know, maintenance there just as you're, as you're using it, you keep that clean. I mean, we do have, um, I mean, we know we've got a relatively complicated system and so we do have, you know, support our, you know, everybody that's got the system with spare parts and, and their spares kits and, um, you know, certainly replace the filters. So sweet. Well, Tyler, this has been, you know, we're coming up on an hour and um, this has been incredibly informative. Um, you guys manufacture a unique product and it's something that, you know, I think is perfect for the use case we've been talking about today. 
So we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing the details of this and the science behind it and how it operates. Um, this has been uh, hopefully really helpful for all our listeners. Yeah, for sure, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's great to uh, connect with your listeners. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people learned some things today. Yep, I'm sure they did, Tyler. Um, and yeah, man, if you're in, in Montana, you'll be sure to stop by and see us and let's get out sometime. For sure. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Take care. And um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the X Overland podcast today. Hope you learned a lot. Have some new tricks, tips up your sleeve to get out there and adventure and have fun. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps. The video version of this episode and of all episodes of the X Overland podcast are exclusively available at the X Overland Network. Head to xoverland.com to subscribe to the network and for access to all of X Overland's premium content. We appreciate your support, and until next time, stay adventurous.